Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hi, Anna here, telling you about Writing Issues, my new website, webinar, and coaching program. To get info about it and to receive my free cheat sheet, The Six Steps to Breaking Through Your Issues and Becoming a New York Times Bestselling Author, all you got to do is text 480-418-1411, the word WRITING ISSUES, all caps, no spaces. That number again is 480-418-1411. You will get a text back asking you to respond with your email address. You do it. And voila, my cheat sheet in your inbox, and you'll be up to speed on all things writing issues. And now, back to the show. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Hardy animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? This is Anna David. You're listening to After Party Pod. It's a podcast all about addiction and recovery. It's part of After Party Magazine, which is part of RehabReviews.com, the world's largest resource for rehab reviews. I am sitting here with a guest, Rob Coble. Did I already pronounce it, mispronounce it? No, you got it right. Uh, You're good. I knew you'd be good. And he is an Emmy Award winning investigative reporter, four mm-hmm. years clean. Has a crazy story. And when I say crazy, I mean, all our stories are crazy. Yes. But this one, you get to go Google afterwards. Oh, no, don't. I've been trying don't, to avoid it. Don't, don't, don't. Go no. write so many nice things about him that the Google, <laughs> that that goes lower and lower and lower. So it's on page three and no one even sees it. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan for a long time. You've That's, done some great work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Especially in regards to recovery and trying to help ease the stigma and erase that and explain, you know, what we go through on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's very important. Well, thank you. And you too. You're working on the same thing. Well, it's day by day. Right? I hate to use a cliche, but it really is. One day at a time. Yes, it is. Odat. Have you ever heard anyone say that? No. Odat. It's annoying for one day at a time. Yeah. Oh, no. That must be the millennials. I maybe, maybe. They're going to hate this. Now, so so tell me about how you came to be sober. And I know what I've read. You tell me. Mm. Basically, I was in Milwaukee and I just got in the job to head up their investigative unit. It was something I was really excited about. I'd worked my way up through some other stumbles along the way and thought, you know, I had it uh, going pretty well. Still booze was in the picture. Yeah. But shortly after I got there, I got a text from a buddy that said, hey, do you realize your ex-wife has written a, a book? I said, shit, no, I had no idea, you know. And uh, my ex-wife, uh, we married, that time was 12 years prior. We were co-anchors. and In Milwaukee? No, in Clarksburg, West Virginia was our first job. Okay. So, And we were divorced by that time for about 12 years. So you were married for two years? Four years. Four years. Yes. I can't do math. Okay. No, that's okay. So, so, and I don't know how, in, how much into this you can go, but you, yeah. you guys were co-anchors, you met, you fell in love, you got married, something like that. Yes, yes. And, and then the relationship 
Well, I mean, there was, so the relationship, uh, we met in Clarksburg, West Virginia, went to Boise, and then ended up in Phoenix. She chased those markets, and we yep. both ended up jobs there. I got a job at the Fox station. She was working at the Independent station. And it seems like, you know, we had it all, and, you know, things yeah. were going Golden good. Yeah, golden couple. Yes. You know, yep. things were all on the rise. And, you know, without a doubt, you know, I'll accept the responsibility for alcohol. always yep. played a factor. I mean, you got to realize, our first kiss was after a DUI checkpoint when they had pulled me over. Oh. And, no, I'm not kidding. So, Christy always knew. Christy Paul is my ex-wife. She works for CNN. And, and uh, they always, well, she always knew I was a partier. Yeah. And she was too a little bit. Right. So, but, you know, when we first met, those days of like college that trickled over into our first job didn't disappear because yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Surprise. They don't disappear until we get, end up in, you know, church basements. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic. <laughs> It's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, smoky church basements. Exactly. You know, like you just think that this is normal yeah. for so long. Yeah. Until yeah. you realize, you know, it's horrible. Anyway, back to you. No. Sorry. <laughs> flashback? Like, yeah, a little bit of a flashback yeah. just now. Okay, so your first kiss is at a DUI checkpoint. Yes. So, but did you get taken in? By her? No, by the DUI people. No. So you she, passed uh, it. So she was like, oh, it's totally fine. Yeah, the flashing blue and red lights behind me. I said, look, I've been waiting a long time to do this. And I grabbed her from the, you know, behind Cute. her head and kissed Picturesque. her. Picturesque. Okay. So look at you know she knew I partied you know yep. and enjoyed a good time and yep. you know we got married quickly and then you know we made it to Phoenix and so the booze was there and it was certainly an issue and there was um, you know a lot of frustration we we sought help through marriage counselor and mm -hmm. stuff too but you know what they really weren't identifying was the alcohol mm -hmm. and Christy and I were both frustrated we were scared and I think that you know trying to hide it was you know something that was very important too. And then at you know certain points, I just didn't want to. You know, I had to be the man. I you know I could control this. I could I could do these things. So did you try to get sober? Anything like that? The fact yeah, that yeah, I mean I mean I, I think they gave me uh, oh, I forget Anabuse. what it, No, they didn't do an abuse. Uh, I did uh, naltrexone for a while. You but, did yes, but that, isn't that for opiates? For opiates, but they also found that it was a use for alcohol that it would curve the, the cravings. Uh, the cravings. Did it? Yeah, but I didn't deal with the issues that were underlying. Right, right, right. You know, so that was even, you know, after the fact, they tried, uh, you know, a bunch of different things, but the main thing, and that was, you know, even the marriage counselor should have probably passed this on to right. substance abuse. So, yeah. you know, in Milwaukee, what happens is, you know, it's been 12 years, she's remarried, three kids, happy, you know, in CNN, and I'm doing my thing. And then yep. I find out there's a, a book. And so then, that had already happened. She was on CNN. She oh, had yeah, the three she, kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you were not in touch. We hadn't been in touch in six, seven years until I got the text from a buddy in Phoenix that said, you know, your wife's ex-wife's written a book. Good for her. I always sort of wanted to write a book, but I'm like, what, what would she have right. fucking written about? You right. know, whatever. And then I was getting ready, and I, I looked, and the follow-up text came through. It's about your marriage. Right. And I said, shit. You know, and I was scared. Yeah. And I was hurt because yeah. I certainly know since we were divorced, it wasn't a how to have a happy marriage. Yep. You know, so I got online. I looked up, you know, her CNN Facebook page and I saw where she described it was a hard decision, but she'd be writing about her marriage that was, you know, how she escaped a verbally abusive marriage to me. And what did you think when you saw that? You know, I remember, you know, it was like such a kick in the gut. You know, I was sad. I think I, you know, just about broke down and cried. You, you know, bet. I was scared. Yeah. It brought back those feelings of shame and guilt. And of course, I'm still drinking at this point. Yep. You know, so I'm, I can't process this. I never processed the divorce in the first place. Just right. moved on. Right, right. You know, right. we all moved on. Just yeah. keep going, keep chug, 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 chug along. And uh, so and then I was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know, what is this? And, you know, the worst thing you can do, the book wasn't going to drop till February. Right. Wait, this, when was this? This was. Uh, 
uh, probably in the fall. So it was, you know, it was like uh, October, I think, November. And uh, so the worst thing you can tell an alcoholic and an addict is, you know, hey, uh, on Friday at, at the end of work is, you know, I got something I got to talk to you on Monday about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, I had all these months to do. So yeah. I, I, I knew a PR publicist that's like, I'll get an advanced copy of the book. And I did. Mm-hmm. Then I read it and, you know, the wheels came off the cart, you know, at that time. So the usually binge drinking turned into a daily thing after work and added, you know, uh, weight like you couldn't believe. I couldn't sleep. So I was doing, you know, uh, over-the-counter sleep meds, grabbing those, and then uh, ordering illegal diet pills online, hoping not to get caught. So it was a real shit show brewing up till you know the the final were you conscious of the fact that you were trying to blot out what was coming yeah yeah because i know you know as as an investigative reporter i was doing a lot of stories against politicians you know scott walker the governor of milwaukee the first thing that you know i know these people will do is they'll look for anything they can use against me there was already plenty of stuff i'd spent time in you know america's toughest sheriff's jail you know for for dui i you know got special treatment there there was enough already out there right. but now you have an ex-wife that's written a 320 page book and recorded a music song you know a couple country music songs to go with it so i was scared and i knew that that would have a powerful impact but you know drinking there was no way i could navigate that i could just wait for the the shoe to drop i don't know if i can ask this why do you think she did it you know i i think there was a couple reasons i think you know part of it is probably therapeutic for her the other part you know look at i without a doubt i think it's self-serving yeah and i think her friends robin mead is a real good friend of hers she was in our wedding you know they all have books sanjay yeah. gupta um uh, who is it the one i hate uh, nancy grace dr drew mm-hmm. you know and cnn and jeff zucker always seem to instead of cnn it's like you know the home shopping network you know what can we promote besides news you know you got right. a book you got a song we'll put you all on there and they right. did that Right, right. Didn't work right. for Brian Williams, but it worked for Christy, you know. Right. So it was like, what's your story, Christy? Well, I've got a story about, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I think I really regret, you know, those things. You know, yeah. when she was on Dr. Drew, he summed it up and he sort of put her in her place a little bit. And he said, look, this is simple. This is all about alcohol. Mm-hmm. He's an alcoholic. I feel bad for the guy. He never got help. Mm-hmm. He goes, no AA, no Al-Anon, nothing gets better. And that's what, you know, she has, you know, alcoholics running in her family. I didn't find out till after that her grandfather had drank himself to death. Were you in touch with her? Have you been in touch with her since? No. Never? No. Wow. And when was this incident, the thing with the cops, you were peeing outside? I don't understand chronologically when that was. So that was 2012. Okay. And so it was four years ago. And on the heels of all this coming out, it was six months of her promoting the book. I finally, everybody breaks. I'm a fan of 24. So even Jack Bauer breaks. Right, right, right. And I ran out of booze. And for some reason in Milwaukee, they don't sell alcohol like at Trader Joe's. I needed my two-buck chuck. And they don't sell it after nine. And I was out. I lived in a great place. I put on a hat. saw the neon lights bar Louie I had like 200 feet to go and you know then I was just really drinking at my problems and I'm sitting at that bar and it was a couple bought or a couple glasses of wine to the Jaeger bombs uh, another glass of wine to wash it down and then on my way home walking a security guard uh, said in the police report I he followed me because I was stumbling I know there was a law that you couldn't stumble and I was walking home but for some reason 75 feet from my front door to the condo was the Apple store and I didn't make it to the bathroom I decided it was time to take a leak on the side of the Apple store. Right. And yeah. so then what happened? Or were you in a blackout or? It was getting that. I should have been in bed in about 10 minutes and I would have been a happy night. You know, not real happy, but you right. know, I would have survived another night of, of, of a lot of pain. Yeah. And uh, so I was getting there, but so he was mad that he couldn't ban me because I lived there. So he did the next best thing is he called the cops, the real ones, no right. run a cop. Right, right, right. So they rolled up and then, um, you know, I became the asshole that, you know, Christy wrote about drunk. So then they took you in? Yes. 
disorderly conduct. I refused to put my cell phone away, and then I pulled the ultimate horrible thing I said I'd never do is, do you know who you're messing with? Right, right, they right. They didn't have any freaking clue, I'm sure, until they yeah. got back and Googled and figured it out. You right, know? right. Then they knew. They were, and then they were like, we got the right guy. Super value meal. They had the booking you know, video. They had the outside surveillance, everything. And so did that, was that the incident that got you sober then? Yeah, yeah. And so what happened? So you wake up. Well, the next day I woke up. My buddy was a lawyer. He was with me. At the end of that night, he picked me up from the jail, and I woke up, and I was sore. And I, had the, when the cop arrested me, I pulled him over. I was so drunk, and he fell on top of me. He was a big guy. And uh, I realized it all started coming back to me that this was not an ordinary night. Yes, I'm dehydrated. I don't feel great, but oh, shit, something happened, and I couldn't remember the details. But you were in jail. Oh, they, they they just processed me and you okay. know did a you know and released me so I was at home okay, you know so I okay. went to work later that morning okay you know with a scraped up face lying to people and yeah and so bargaining I went back to AA you know I went to the shrink and you know told her what happened and it's like what are you gonna do and you know so I went back to AA and was like God if you just give me this break and nobody finds out I'll stay sober and it just didn't work two weeks later you know somebody leaked it and mm -hmm. uh, holy shit hit the fan and then they connected with christie's book and the whole shit show just you know came to an end and i resigned from my job took accountability for that night which mm -hmm. to me was important because it's the first time really stepping forward saying you know that's just not me and went off to uh, north carolina for treatment for 90 days Where'd sober since i went to fellowship hall okay so that's in greensboro small uh -huh. little area and were you kicking and screaming? Were you surrendered? You know, I was pretty surrendered at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember, you know, just being in a squad car going, Jesus Christ, I had the perfect plan. I couldn't even operate an elevator with my finger and get home in 100 feet. It's pathetic. On top of the fact it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where drinking is a pastime. Yeah. And it was unacceptable to these folks, right. my actions. Right. You had to leave. Yeah. You know? So I needed it, but I was scared. You know? I was sick of myself. I was fed up. I was full of shame. And then what happened? What made you, uh, do you still want to drink? Did the desire get removed? I think the desire, you know, w was removed quickly. Uh, that was enough for me, maybe not you know, for other people, but it was enough for me. I don't have the cravings you know, that I once did because I know where it'll take me back now. Mm -hmm. The toughest part is I'm sure you hear people say all the time is living life, and that's a challenge. <laughs> I mean, I see your face, and mm -hmm. that's a challenge, but you know, I can make much better decisions now than I could you know, when I was drinking and using. That's an important thing I'm you know, very grateful for, and I know where it will take me, and I know where it will take me back quickly. I had good runs. You know, I'd go six, seven years, but you know, during that time, you built up a lot. And you freaking destroyed it. Marriage, mm -hmm. career, eventually. Mm -hmm. They said there's three bottoms now. And for men, it's ultimately the career. You lose the wife, the girlfriend, all this other stuff. And then when you hit it again, mm -hmm. the final one is your career. I've never heard that, actually. Yeah, there's some new research about it. Oh, really? Literally mm -hmm. studies yeah. prove that when you lose a career, you get sober? Well, for men, it, it takes three things. They say there's three bottoms. Mm -hmm. But for men, it's when we finally fuck up our career that we pay attention. I don't know. I mean, what, if, to me, it's like a bottom is, you know, whatever it is emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it's not really about what's happening. Yeah, no, I, I mean, think so. Yeah, and I it, and certainly was in my case. I mean, you know, there was no spirituality. You know, I was void. I hated myself mm -hmm. and, you know, all those things that, you know, keep us drinking. And so what has been some of the work? And like when you say the challenge isn't not drinking, but it's life, what do you mean? You know, I lost a career that I loved that I thought would take me in. You know, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell, philosopher and the mm -hmm. hero's journey and everything. So one of the things he said, you know, you've got to let go of the life that you envisioned to get the life that's waiting for you. 
and I had envisioned, you know, turning old and, you know, doing news and doing all that stuff. And it wasn't going to happen because I was not very marketable after pissing on the Apple store, cussing out the cops. Right. So the hard part was when people would Google me, I lost jobs because of that. Yep. You know, then in, there were challenges of, you know, living in a sober living where uh, the guy who ran it liked to be called Dog for Dog the Bounty Hunter. He was uh -huh. an asshole and shouldn't have been around people, period. Two of my friends OD'd and died a week and a half apart from each other at that house mm -hmm. you know not you know that didn't happen there but it happened while they were away mm -hmm. and i was scared shitless i couldn't find a job so uh hollywood came calling and i ended up doing background work because i could get a couple meals a day i could get the fuck out of that house right. and i could be safe and i could you know escape so you were in a sober living here in la no it was uh, greensboro north carolina i stayed there because uh -huh. there was no going back to milwaukee and my brother lives in Charlotte, so, you know, it's close to family. And so how did you end up here doing extra work? Well, I actually did the extra work, and uh, North Carolina had okay. a tax incentive, so I did Under the Dome, numerous things, Under the Dome, Eastbound and Down, uh, a lot of different shows and TV, did some acting, and uh -huh. picked it up there, so we were really booming down there. I ended up out here, I was working for a minor league baseball team, it was really the first job that I got in Charlotte, and mm -hmm. I just wasn't doing it, and at the end of the season, I had said uh, I was leaving, and some producers had come to me and said, a uh, casting agent out here had contacted me in Charlotte and said, look, we're doing a, a documentary about five people who are going to be given the world's best life coaches to get their life in order, different categories, love, relationships, and then my category, you fucked up your life, so we can mm -hmm. help you fix it. So I said, oh, okay, uh, I could do that. They're not going to pay me, so I sold my Emmy Award on eBay to a How guy. How <laughs> Everybody asked that question. Of course. How much? Uh, four grand to a guy in Germany. What do you want with an Emmy Award he didn't win? <laughs> That's what I have to ask. The guy in Germany. A friend of mine, we met through uh, Andy Dick. He actually pointed out something. He's like, he asked the same question. He's like, email the guy back. Yeah. And find out. So I did. And I yeah. said, so why? Everybody asked me this question. Yeah. And he said, because I love the entertainment industry. Yeah. I love these things. And for me, it's something that other people can't have. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for an Oscar one day. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help you there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Maybe another Emmy. I don't know if those are ever for sale. But yeah. you never know. No, no, you don't. So, you know, I came out here and shot that movie for two and a half weeks. Movie My, or TV show? It's a movie. The you know. life coach thing? Mm -hmm. What's it called? It's uh, called Leap. Uh, it'll be hitting film festivals now, or just about now, or coming out. So uh, yeah, the coaches that were involved, Marcy Shimoff, um, uh, Jack Canfield, John Gray. Wow. Yeah. I and, don't know uh, the first one, but I certainly know those second two names. Yeah, you'll know You'll know some other ones. Uh, he, uh, Mark Thompson had uh, worked with uh, Sir Richard Bronson and uh, Steve Jobs. So they, they followed us, uh, just wrapped up, you know, about a year. And my goal was to come out here and work in treatment. And that's, you know, what I wanted to do and what I've been doing in the last year helping people mm -hmm. you know working in treatment so cameras were following you around for a year or was it just kind of occasional shows? yeah it was occasional they didn't have the money necessarily and they yeah. did a great job in crowdfunding I think they got about 800,000 or something for but they would you know we did the coaching sessions in Malibu for a period of like three months and then I stayed. You know, the other ones went back to Louisiana, New York, Singapore. And were so the other did you clients. get sessions with like Jack Canfield? And I didn't work with Jack. Uh, one of the, the other people did. Marcy Shimoff. Uh, I worked with her. Um, who else was uh, part of it? Uh, John D. Martini is a guy that I really enjoyed too. Mm -hmm. You'll know all of them because I think you've been into the coaching world a little yeah, bit. Yeah. No, I only know who Jack Canfield and uh, and then John Gray, obviously. Yes. I just heard him speak recently. Oh, did actually. you really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, at the Bulletproof Conference. You know. Look at but, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you ended up here. So you, you kind of use that to get out to L.A. Yeah, I, I mean, they talked me into the fact is like, look, if you want to work with people in addiction recovery, come here. I had no idea how strong of a community it was. Best move I ever could have made. Yeah. So, you know, I did that for a little bit. And then uh, during my Fox years that I worked there, I covered all of Robbie Knievel's stunt jumps. He's uh -huh. the son of Evil Knievel. Yeah. They were shooting a movie out here, uh, Chasing Evil, which is now in uh, film festivals. And they're like, 
holy shit, it's about Robbie's journey, keeping the family name alive, but into sobriety. Oh, he's so, sober? Yes, he's sober now, too. So okay. we both reconnected sober, and, you know, I did, you know, part of that. And, uh, what do you mean? What did you do on that? Uh, well, they interviewed me about the days we partied. Oh, okay. They interviewed about the journey. You know, what it's going to take. Robbie was uh, pushing about a year and a half probably now. Mm -hmm. I had three, you know, plus at the time. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, can you put that in perspective? And you guys all partied together. Mm -hmm. You all lost things, you know. And uh, Robbie's a little bit older than me. I think he's 55 now. So, uh, you know, I, I sat down and did interviews with them. I'm excited to see the movie. I mean, it's... Uh, they're going to announce a couple film festivals coming up here soon. And so you, how did you start working in treatment? How did that happen? So the goal that the, the coaches helped me uh, see was that I needed to, uh, I blame Google a lot, but they said, you know, really, you know, why don't you take a look at yourself? Have you ever forgiven Christy? And I'm like, hell no. You know, so I, I carried that grudge and that resentment for a long time. And so as part of the process, you know, I found forgiveness for her. I started working on myself. And then it was weird. All these things just really started to open up. And before I know it, I was just, I was a, a buddy of mine who lives right here in Hollywood boulevard and uh, he's like you know i got a friend that i just did something with uh that works at this treatment center in malibu and he didn't know that you know i had been a big you know supporter uh or you know fan i guess in some aspects of bob forrest and his journey i saw that and i uh, you know i was fairly uh, new in sobriety and i was like holy shit if he can do it i can do it and so he's like let me introduce you so you, that, you were a fan of his music not felonious monsters as much but i found the music after his documentary so i like his newer stuff you know i like uh, a lot of the the stuff I, I don't know if you've ever seen him i went down to uh, Santa Monica to Gibson's and it's, it's an amazing journey that he takes you on you know what do you mean he well, takes you on hell yeah I mean through his music and the times of like his using uh, yeah. and going I through I did see the documentary I did a story on the director who's awesome yes I hear she's Deidre. really really yes yeah. yes and then I know him just from doing Drew's podcast uh -huh. have you ever done Drew Drew and well, Drew, <laughs> you know, Drew oh, and I haven't talked. I mean, it's not necessarily. But you said that he was the one who pointed out what the story was to your ex-wife. Yeah, well, it doesn't didn't you know necessarily make things you know perfect. I mean, there was talk that I was going to talk to him after you know, and then uh, when this all happened, and then uh, CNN advised him. They thought I was going to maybe sue or something, but advised him not to talk. But you know, I will share this. You know, is that importantly that night in Milwaukee, both of those people, they you know, I owe them a thank you. Yeah, you mean the security guard. Well, yeah, all those, and, but definitely probably Christy and Dr. Drew because it changed my life. Well, yeah. I wasn't happy. That was what set me over. That broadcast set me over. Why? Because he nailed the problem in my life, right. booze. Right. It was a long-distance intervention. It was a slap in the face I was not ready to deal with. Right. And it tore off the Band-Aid of the, that marriage and the mistakes that I had made and the things I'd read. Did you really not know that that was the problem until you heard him say that? Well, I knew it was, but when somebody does, you know, I had no problem with, you know, drinking, you know, when Christy left, you know, there's no accountability. I was out, you know, chasing women, doing all the right, stuff that you right. normally do. And, right. but there was no accountability. I just didn't want to deal with it and yeah. I didn't have to worry about it. Did you go through the process? Um, I don't know if you do steps and all of that stuff or like making amends. I didn't get to the step of making amends. It was very difficult for me in North Carolina. I found it very cliquish. They weren't nice to me. I don't expect them to roll out a red carpet, so don't get me wrong on that, but I didn't connect. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back out here, uh, wow, it was totally different. Mm -hmm. And they pushed things aside. You know, I can mention pod. I can mention, you know, whatever I used. You're yeah. nodding your head, you know, in an AA room and not get run out. Yeah. And uh, that's important to me because I'm there to heal. I'm, I'm there to learn. And uh, so I've been giving it a try, you know, out here. I need to find, I need to, you know, better myself. I've got to find a yoga place. I've got to do more things and self-care. And that's part of, you know, what I've been learning. So you've never really done it, done it. I've done a fifth step. 
You okay, know, so you have a sponsor and all that I stuff. did, you know, for a while, but I haven't picked that up here. It's uh-huh. what I'm looking at doing How now. long have you been here? I've been, <laughs> ooh, look at you. Uh, it, it'll be a year. It was, I came out here in September, so it's a little over a year. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was chasing and what I tend to do, and that was, you know, I had to get a job. I had no plan when I came out here. Yeah. Limited amount of money, you know, yeah. that I had saved. So I got the job, you know, at Bob's place and started working, you know, through okay, there. Okay, so you reached out. So your friend works there. Yeah, put me in touch with uh, Jamie Carpenter, who's the spiritual director, and he's like, Bob got me sober. And I'm like, holy shit. So Bob, you know, as part of the documentary, we met. And uh, it was thrilling for me, you know, to yeah. be able to pick his, you know, brain and say, hey, you know, these are my skills. Where can I maybe fit in to the, Is this the Evan? treatment? Evan and Jared, yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Evan Haynes and, and Jared, yep. Great. Yeah, yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. They were great. I know his wife is the loveliest ever, and she was one of my first podcasts. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she's so great. I, I met him when I, I went to their house to interview her, but this was years ago. Uh-huh. She's the coolest. Talk about a story transformation. I know. Well, and he told me that too. Like when I came to them because they allowed the cameras up there and back then it was Acadia and you know now it's Aloe. Yeah. And uh, it made me feel good. Evan, you know, had a real good connection still do with him. Yeah. And you know, it was the, walking up that driveway if you haven't been in there it no. felt like coming home. Oh, going to to, to Aloe. Yeah. And so they changed names to Aloe and mm-hmm. Bob Forrest is still there. Yeah, he's still doing a group. Uh, I think he they, they classify him as founder. On Tuesdays he does a group, you know, a process group there mm-hmm. and he's still, you know, heavily involved. Even more so in the last year that I've been there. I've mm-hmm. seen him doing a little bit more social media and stuff, but he sold it to Evan and Jared. I think Bob told me a couple years back. Oh, Bob sold it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So, and but you don't work there anymore. No. No. So, you know, what I realized is, you know, I, I love your career. I mean, you know, you, you, you follow the stuff and you're so actively involved in, in helping and, you know, spreading the, the message about addiction and mm-hmm. recovery that, you know, part of the skills and the things I miss are, you know, meeting people and telling stories. Mm-hmm. So we shot a sizzle reel. Uh, I guess I can talk a little bit about it, but it's a little bit about my journey, but it's the people that you meet. It's the purpose and passion. People that make it or, you know, chase their dreams, you know, I'm just infatuated with. Mm-hmm. Khalil. Rafati. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, worked in treatment. Sort of didn't feel that, you know, he was getting a little disgusted with it. I don't think you guys talked about it on your podcast. Do you know Khalil? I've met him a couple times, yeah. Uh-huh. So, and I love his story. And then he found his niche. It's about finding your niche, and mm-hmm. he loves fitness. And Sun Life Organics has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So we've all found our way. You found your way. Mm-hmm. He's found his way. Plenty of other people, and I'm finding my way. Mm-hmm. So what we realized, we shot a, a sizzle reel uh, with a bunch of people, and Andy Dick has helped me put together like a um, one-person show and a monologue. How do you know Andy? Through recovery. Okay. Yeah, you know, and he's got a place. Uh, actually up the street from you you should go uh, the loft where we do some performances uh, Pantages right behind Pantages Theater like, what do you mean a place like a performance place a yeah. sober place like what is yeah. it yeah uh, he had Margaret Cho down there the other day uh, he so. does some stuff uh, Meg his daughter does some producing so uh-huh. they do like they write one act plays and they'll perform them on Sundays that's so cool so Andy helped me it's hard for me to necessarily get up in front of people and do all that stuff so Andy helped me with a monologue and then a one man show and it's about your, your story yeah and so what do you want what would you want to have happen i think you know getting back into producing hopefully is a story you know i guess i'll say it now but you know it'll be called story junkie yeah uh-huh. i'd love to have you on it and you know part of it is, is a, it's, it's a tv thing it's a it's going to be a tv okay. thing so and what it is is it's finding the purpose and passion and taking you in the element that you know you chased after sharing how how you made yours it's not all about recovery mm-hmm. it's about different things mm-hmm. uh, robbie knievel has his own thing eddie Brown. there's a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. people that are involved in it and it's not all just celebrities or mm-hmm. anything like that it's about finding your purpose and passion in life and chasing it no matter what. What will you do? For me, it was getting sober, selling my Emmy Award. Yep. 
taking that leap of faith going 2,000 miles out here. Yep. There's so many other people. The Uber drive that I had come yeah. down here. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I miss it. So yeah. what I realized in all this time, and that's really what it's about, is that I'm a story junkie. Mm -hmm. And I can't shake it. I mm -hmm. got to meet people, mm -hmm. and I want to show that. So I'll send you the you know the copy of the trailer. The sizzle you made the sizzle reel. Yeah. Where you're interviewing people, and getting their stories. Yep. And it, well, it starts with you know basically setting up what happened to me, and then saying, look, I met interesting, crazy people. Andy yeah. Dick being one of them. You know, yeah. Mike Tyson I've worked with over the years. You yeah. know, a lot of people that we've done through uh, that have all ended up sober too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. So you know that's there. What would my perfect life be? I'm going off to New York to work with Lenny Dykstra, the former Mets, uh, Phillies now New York Times best-selling author who wants to launch his reality show House of Nails. His mm -hmm. nickname playing was Nails. So we're getting on a party bus. I wouldn't call this necessarily uh, the House of Recovery, but we're getting on a party bus headed to the uh, Sunday, uh, or excuse me, the Thursday football game to get a little personality and kick off his thing. And um, he asked me to you know, help uh, produce and do the interviews with him. So I leave. Is that, that something where like, do you feel like your sobriety will be challenged I by that? I knew you'd ask. No, but I think I want to watch it. I uh -huh. want to watch it very closely. You uh -huh. know? I, and I do. I don't really hang out at bars, you know, per right. se. And right, right. Do you hang out with, you know, sober people, people who drink? A mix. I think you got to have a mix. You yeah. know, I, I, one of my, you know, challenges is that, you know, I was feeling for a while coming out here that everything became, my destination became just, you know, the rooms. Yeah. And uh, I can't handle that. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah, AA or, you know, my recovery is always a vehicle, you know, and I'm going to jump in it, but I'm going to drive that car freaking someplace to wherever it's going to take me. I think, yeah. And I mean, what's nice is that it's like everybody gets their own option. Like if people want to get sober and like just stay doing that, fantastic. Yeah. If they want to not do that at all, fantastic. Right. Like it's really truly, and I mean, this is something it's taken me 16 years of sobriety to understand mm -hmm. that like, I got my way of doing it. You've got your way of doing it. You know, the people who listen have their way of doing it, and there is no, quote, right way. And that's the important thing. What you just nailed is you, but you better find a way to do it. Yeah. That works for you. And stop worrying about all the people that tell you there is a right way to do it because yep. well, we don't know. Yeah. You well, and that's why I'm brutally honest about AA and things, and I'm not knocking that, but I know there's somebody else out there that's struggling or felt the same way that may hear this and say, oh, shit. Well, then I can still have recovery. Yeah. I can still do whatever. And I think that's the important part of being so honest and brutal. I'm not going to tell you, yes, I go to three meetings a, a week and, you know, I have a sponsor and we work, you know, I, I work my 10th step and yeah. do all that every night. It's I not don't. True. Yeah, it's not true. Don't, you know. You know, but I need to do better in certain things. And I'll admit that that's part of this journey. Well, I think this is a good note to wrap up on. I thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. And yeah, so this has been After Party Pod. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and everywhere else where you can find podcasts. So, and where can people find you online? Yeah, uh, Rob Koble, Facebook, K-O-E-B-E-L, and Rob2237, Instagram. And don't uh, Google him. <laughs> Thanks, Henry.